Welcome to our podcast, Talk To Me Sister. I'm Kathy. And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform, but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along. Hey, Holly. Hi, Hi, Holly. How are you guys? It's nice to see you you too. We're so glad you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I actually, I'm just turning off notifications and things. Um, You're fine. Go ahead. Take your time. You're good. Firstly, I just wanted to say, um, it's so I obviously I've only recently like come across you guys and your story is just amazing. I mean, you must get this all the time, but (laughs) you're so sweet. It's really incredible um, what you guys have been through, both of you, and and you know the love between you guys is unrelenting. <laughs> I know, Holly, you're it's, so sweet. That's well, so sweet. We're yeah. we're really happy to be on this side of the journey. I guess it's been some hard years, and we've like I'm still in awe of what Kathy's doing for me. And I don't know if you have siblings, but yeah, I feel like the bond of twins and just what the gift that she's giving our family is just unreal. So. And we've had so much fun doing this podcast together. We have through this pregnancy. Yeah. So we were talking about it. I was actually talking to my grandma about this yesterday. I was like, you know, if anything, we've really soaked up this time because we're both kind of doers. And so to be on this side of it and to be able to like have a podcast and share everything has felt that we are like savoring this whole process, um, which has been awesome so anyway thank you for your kind words and we're just yeah, super so grateful sweet. to be people have been so kind like throughout this process and we've loved the podcast too because we get to connect with amazing women yeah, like yourself I've so I've loved listening to it and it's so it's so great listening to your you guys rebounding off each other and how different you are because actually you're actually really different <laughs> I know we are. So are. <laughs> it is so crazy yeah, I love that you say that because we just have now met, but you, you can even pick that up. We're like best friends, but we're like so different too. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. But no, I, I do. I do have a sister. Actually, I have one sister, but I don't, I, you know, that bond um, from twins. I can't imagine that the strength of that. It's just amazing. But I can't imagine doing for her what you, what Kathy, what you're doing. I know. But then also what you've been I through. I just cry all the time. <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I guess you 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 need to like take on board. I don't want to like preach here, but I feel like you need to. You deserve that. You know, Kathy wouldn't be doing it if you didn't deserve that. You know, and you've had a oh. pretty rough ride, so it's just amazing. That's so kind. That's so sweet. Oh, thank you for saying that. That means That's a lot. Okay. Yes, you're right. You're right. I wouldn't do it. I like, uh, you know, I'm I'm like you. I work in women's health. I'm a dietitian and I love, I'm one of those really annoying people who love like birth and and pregnancy and uh, postpartum, not so much, but we'll see how it goes this time when I'm sleeping more. Um, But, you know, it felt like a no brainer. I was like, Oh, I'm so excited, you know? And it's like you said, after being through so much to do something so healing for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this whole process has been healing for Kathy and I, for sure, but just our whole family my parents, my husband, it's just been such a sweet yeah. redemption and like sweet gift. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we're so, so excited. Thank you for connecting with us. Um, I know That's it's, great. it's, it's nice that we all have, we're a lot more comfortable with zoom because mm-hmm. of the COVID life. So how's, how's London? How's everything over there? It's good actually yeah the sun's come out today and it's like just in this transition I think going into summer and it's like I'm not ready like I just feel I'm still wearing all my jeans and stuff and I just feel a bit uncomfortable (laughs) not I need to like transition your summer clothes yeah (laughs) save everything (laughs) yeah totally I know I'm just not ready yeah I'm not ready so same with it's crazy how the sun is so healing my mood is so affected by the weather we're in Nashville and we've actually had the craziest rainiest April and it's been cloudy and rainy and so the sun is out today too so I guess we're on London weather too but it's it's nice to see the sun (laughs) yeah for sure 
definitely it is yeah I'm just I'm really pleased to see it but you know I do I, like you guys you know running your own business as, as well it's it can be it's hard going right because there's no off switch and and yeah, finding exactly. time to stop and slow down and yeah I you know I I'm sure we'll talk about this today but like I just feel that um I need to t- listen to my own advice sometimes yes exactly. 100% I say that all the time yeah that's just what you preach always easier said than done sometimes for sure um well holly we are so excited to have you and one of the reasons is may is women's health month and so so many of our listeners have hormone related questions um and i work with pregnancy and fertility but you have specialties that i think people will really gain a ton of knowledge from so i'm excited to learn from you as well and i think what i have found and you may have found this as well is when we talk to women and counsel women in their own health and menstrual cycles and fertility is that many women don't know that their cycle is abnormal because nobody really talks about a healthy menstrual cycle or what's abnormal. Sometimes people go, Oh, I just missed my cycle. It's fine. But it comes every once in a while. And we're like, "Mm," you know, as practitioners, Mm -hmm. we're like, wait a second, but they don't quite know that's not abnormal because people aren't talking about it. So we're really excited to dive in with you and kind of shed light on like what's healthy cycle and how to, how to have one. Yeah. We're so excited. You're so interesting. We can't wait to pick your brain and all your knowledge and, and all of it. But before we get started and dive into the questions we want to cover, first of all, we love London. We just talked about that. Kathy and I took a trip there. It's been years, honestly. Um, we're still dreaming of scones and cream and shopping on <laughs> Portobello Road. Um, love London. Can't wait to go back. But I have a slight obsession with the royal family. And so when I read a little bit about you and connected with you before we started recording it said and you told us that you um worked for the royal family and that kind of your experience there is kind of what led you into your career in women's health so before we dive into specifics and facts can you tell us a little bit about your background and like your experience with the royal family and how it kind of led you to women's health yeah sure so um i guess I suppose it's not just that experience that led me into it. I think it's very Mm -hmm. much my, it's always been my nature. I'm very, very conscientious. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I landed working there. I was very, very privileged to have um, been um, not headhunted, but sort of asked, kind of headhunted, like asked by a a recruiting lady. I was very, very early in my my career, you know, and it was very much the birth birth of their office. It was amazing and very, very small office. And I think they were just looking for, you know, um, committed, um, bright young things to just come in and and mm-hmm. look at and, and build this office. And it was a yeah, it was an incredible time. Very much the very the very very start of my career. And wow. you know, I think I just um, you know, it definitely isn't the, that experience on its own because I've got to be mm-hmm. very very careful. Careful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What you um, say? It's you That's know other. Cool. Yeah, it was just my nature being somebody that wanted to go over and beyond. And I was, you know, I was never really listening to my own passions and what I really wanted to do, which which led me into, um, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of you know, lots of other things going on at the same time. So I kind of it's too I guess it's too much to go into in, in right. a short space of time. But um yeah a lot of stress I was overtraining. I loved running um I uh I didn't prioritize my health um which is crazy because health was my a real interest of mine yeah I just I ended up burning out and missing my periods and all sorts of stuff so yeah it's really difficult to sort of it, I thought it'd be difficult it's really difficult to talk about totally. it <laughs> um, I bet but, we we just talked too about our early just like our early 20s and just like we'll talk about burnout and stress and everything in a second and just how certain moments in your life kind of lead you to being more aware of your body 100%. so we totally get that um but we can't wait to dive into your knowledge about women's health it's really is really yeah so you mentioned missing your cycle when yeah. you were kind of stressed with yeah. work and exercise. And I think a lot of people can relate to that mm-hmm. is in not even noticing people going, wait, when was my last period? You know, 
And yeah. so one of your specialties is HA hypothalamic. I always have a hard time saying it. So you can say it. Amen. Arita. Amen. It's a big word, which big is word. missing your cycle. So will you explain to people what HA is and kind of the, the kind of the symptoms and the causes of, of that condition? Yeah, sure. So yeah, it is definitely a mouthful. So hypothalamic amenorrhea is, it simply means, they got it, it rolled off the tongue. Um, you did it. I say it a lot. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's basically a lack of a period. Um, in the US, it's for three months or more, but in the UK, it's longer. So your period has to have stopped for oh, six months consecutively in the UK for you to be sort of diagnosed with amenorrhea. So no period. Uh, and this is a, res a result of a miscommunication between the hypothalamus which is a small region in the brain that controls um, basically all of our hormones. It's a kind of our a gateway between our nervous system and our hormone system. So there's a miscommunication between that and the reproductive cycle. Um, the even more technical term here for you guys, um, and I'm literally, I'm not doing this to show off, but it's hypogonadotropic hypogonadism. It's amazing. Well, I'm really but glad you did. I didn't I'm have not, to say that. I'm not even going to try to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, am we, so impressed. Yeah, I think we throw out the term amenorrhea a lot, but there's so many different causes right. of amenorrhea. Yeah, right. so many different types of amenorrhea. Um, yeah. So it's so interesting that connection between the hypothalamus and communicating with kind of the reproductive cycle and organs. Yes. Exactly. So there is, there's basically this suppression of a secretion of a hormone called GnRH. So that's the hormone that the hypothalamus produces that kicks off the whole cycle. It kicks off the secretion of FSH and LH from the pituitary. And then, you know, the growth of the endometrial lining uh, in the uterus and then and ovulation. So the development of the folliculus of the ovarian follicles and that whole system is, is shuts down um, as a result, usually of some form of stress. So physical stress, physiological stress. So things like fasting, inflammation, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously psychological stress. Um, and then usually we tend to see um, HA a lot in cases of low energy availability where um, or relative energy deficiency, where there's just simply not enough energy in the system to support, you know, your life load, your stress load, um, your movement, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So there's sort of two halves to this, you know, there's that kind of food and the movement side of it. And then there's that psychological stress piece, but both of them are really important and you don't have to have both to develop amenorrhea. I think that's really important to sort of make that mm -hmm. clear. Right. It can be one or the other. Yeah, for sure. It can. And I think that's a little bit misunderstood. I think it's very much seen to have been a condition for the young female athlete or exerciser. Um, yeah. It's very common in eating disorders as well. So you have that, you know, it, it is associated with a certain type of lifestyle and body type, but that's mm -hmm. not, you know, that's, that's not necessarily what we see. We see it in happening in all women, all body sizes, um, where women are actually eating very well. Uh, and actually there's a trauma element. Mm. So there's, there's lots of, there's lots of sort of interwoven factors in HA. And I think that's actually why it's very, very fascinating that interplay between our mental health and our hormones. Mm -hmm. um, amazing. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because we've talked about on this podcast, mental health and the connection, the body mind connection and how mm -hmm. real and strong it is. And so it's incredible that you could be sending all of these signals to your body that it's safe eating enough, you know, exercising in a good amount and still having trauma mm -hmm. that is holding back your body from saying, oh, it's a safe time to ovulate or reproduce. Yeah. We're big advocates of mental health when it, when it comes to healing and just normalizing your body. So I think that's so important to mention. Yeah. But even as a practitioner, I think I wouldn't necessarily first go to that. If I had a client with amenorrhea, I'd mm -hmm. be like, okay, well, you know, so it's fascinating. It's so important to include. Yes. So can you mention this too? You know, we often hear, we often just as women have complaints of like symptoms of amenorrhea, but like talk about why ovulation is important, even if you're not trying to reproduce, like if you're not trying to get pregnant and you mm. couldn't care less about your FH or your LSA, you know, you yeah, care yeah, yeah. less, it still mm -hmm. comes with side effects and symptoms. 
if you're yeah. not having a cycle. So talk about that a little bit. So this is so, so fascinating. And I think I'm, I'm so pleased that you asked this question because I think that as women, you know, we've been socialized to see our period as something that is, you know, inconvenient and associated only really, we only really need it when we want to have a baby, right? Because it, right. we only really need to ovulate when we want to have a child, but mm-hmm. there are so many other symptoms associated with not having a period. So not having estrogen and progesterone in the system. And if you're not ovulating, you know, you're, if you've got HA, certainly you're your estrogen is going to be low, but your progesterone is going to be low as well. So things like exhaustion, low energy, um, brain fog, memory loss, you know, estrogen, for example, boosts synaptic connections in the hippocampus, Mm -hmm. which is an area in the brain that is um, associated with memory and emotions. So um, low mood. So stress and anxiety. So again, low estrogen really really associated with anxiety and progesterone as well which is actually a very very calming hormone so one of the metabolites for progesterone um allopregnanodal is just really really soporific so it helps us to sleep well so if you imagine you don't have this cycle you're going to sleep you know your sleep's going to be impaired so those kinds of things are really important um, some of the aesthetics of us ladies, you know, having um, soft, dewy skin and lustrous hair, you know, estrogen is really yeah. supportive of hair growth and tissue growth in general uh, and bone health, obviously, which I'll talk about in a little bit in a little bit because that's more of a long term consequence of this. Um, and needing to even things like um, needing to pee a lot, you know, we don't we don't associate things like needing to go to the loo a lot as, as something that our hormones are going to be involved in because estrogen actually helps to build and support linings of the bladder for example and when right. we have interesting wow. yeah when we've got low estrogen actually the lining of the bladder can thin and that can mean that you know it's a little bit more hypersensitive to um nervous stimulation so actually we feel like we need to go more often that's interesting mm-hmm. Um, what else, guys? There's so much stuff. Loss of muscle mass <laughs> and prone, getting feeling like you're prone to injury, just feeling a little bit achy. Um, digestive issues. Um, so again, you know, we need a hormone cycle to support, you know, our our digestive motility and and our and the health of, of our gut lining. So all sorts of things, really. I could go on. Um, yeah, there's so many things, and I would say to low libido right like there's just there's no energy for anything really so it (laughs) impacts your energy your mood your digestive health and I I like that you mentioned the skin and stuff because I think sometimes people are like uh my digestive health is always bad like cycle I don't need it but then when you bring in like the vanity things you're like oh wait you know I need my skin and my hair to look good and I think it's like when we were talking about when I took the estrogen when I was doing IVF I was like I've never looked better. It was like, you're glowing. <laughs> oh my I like, God. I, I like this uh, estrogen protocol. It was low estrogen, but it's still, but it's like what brings the pregnancy glow is that progesterone right. coming up too. Yeah. And so it's, fascinating. It's interesting actually, because, you know, estrogen is a natural antioxidant. So it's one of the reasons why it's quite cardio protective. And actually mm-hmm. it's one of the theorized reasons why it's you know women women later on in life are going to be more prone to dementia because they have that drop in estrogen so if you think about estrogen as being an antioxidant you know that's where some of those more aesthetic qualities come in um around around that too so yeah estrogen is just a remarkable both of them estrogen and progesterone are remarkable hormones well i've seen that as well with uh, i worked at a cardio the cardiovascular genetic lab for a long time. And when I say a long time, it was like five years. So it felt like a long time. That's a long time. Um, I noticed postmenopausal women who had that drop in estrogen, also their cholesterol went up, you know, so you're having that, that same, you know, effect of the dementia and the heart health, probably plaque buildup and uh, inflammation and things like that happening to their cardiovascular health as well. Yeah. And we see that a lot on tests with clients with HA is actually high cholesterol. And then, you know, unfortunately, and this is, you know, to do no, no disservice at all to, to the medical community who are just doing that, being responsible and doing their job. But, you, you know, there's a lot of take out the fat and don't eat this and that. And actually it's the estrogen that's helping, you know, estrogen helps to clear the cholesterol out of the blood vessels. So 
that's another reason why actually no we just need to fix the hormones <laughs> and then and then all these things will will make sense but yeah some of the longer term effects i think probably we'll just touch on those because they're quite you know that women might be interested to know that um you know your cycle and actually having a period having a having a hormone cycle is very important for bone health so again we're talking about estrogen specifically here but estrogen is bone uh, protective it supports bone building via a number of mechanisms but it helps to support your bone density so when it's low for a long period of time, um, you can develop osteopenia. Um, so that's low, low bone density in wow. the body, which is scary. It is you know, scary. It's scary for young women as well to, to think that, you know, we, we tend to not want to look too far ahead into our lives, but actually, you know, looking after our hormones now and, and having a regular cycle is an important part of our, our longevity really, um, and health in the future. That's so important. If you have been listening along to the pod, you know we love high quality vitamins that are worth your time and your money. Seeking Health vitamins are our favorite because they are not synthetic and they are easily absorbable. We have a new coupon code exclusive to our audience. It's 10% off your first order from seekinghealth.com. So use our code talk to me sister for 10% off. That's talk two with the number two, me sister, for 10% off. We will link all of this information in the show notes. Enjoy. Um, we're going to get into how to kind of recover a healthy period a little later on. But first, let's talk about PCOS because HA and PCOS are often misdiagnosed. A portion of our audience that are listening might be dealing with PCOS or have dealt with PCOS. Can you explain a little bit more about PCOS and the, the difference between the two? Um, PCOS is a more of a, um, we see it more as a metabolic condition. So it involves, um, well, some of the similarities, firstly, I guess, between PCOS and HA are that in PCOS, you know, you're, you classically, you don't ovulate. So you're also going to experience amenorrhea. And that's one of the reasons why um, that, you know, one of many reasons why it can be misdiagnosed but both could be misdiagnosed as the other. Usually it's um, HA is misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. But there are also, um, there's imbalances in hormones that are taking place usually as a result of, uh, again, imbalances in blood sugar, so insulin, uh, inflammation, um, adrenal problems, so stress as well. Um, so we can think mm-hmm. there's actually different causes of, of polycystic ovarian syndrome. And actually, I think there's three different conditions. I think there's inflammatory, there's stress, problem. Problem, and there's insulin. So yeah. it, really understanding what the picture is for the individual is important. Um, but like with HA, what, one of the things that we often see is multiple follicles on ultrasound. So you've got immature follicles that aren't developing properly because there is no ovulation. And the key thing that differentiates HA with polycystic ovarian syndrome is high androgen levels. So you don't classically see elevated androgens with um, HA, but we know that in, in, I call it PCOS, we get this raised androgens on blood tests, but also symptoms. So things like uh, acne and excess facial hair growth mm-hmm. uh, and also hair loss, so hair loss from the scalp. And that's very traumatic, but also we see that in HA as well. So again, it's, it's you know, there's, if you're presenting with amenorrhea and multiple follicles and on ultrasound and hair loss, you know, it, it, we cannot, I don't think we can diagnose that as one or the other. We have to do further investigation to see what what's going on. So exactly. they are, they're very, very different. And the problem is that conventionally PCOS is treated but with a sort of low carb diet, increase your exercise, lose weight. <laughs> yeah. That's a for problem. HA, that's not great. That's not normally that's not great, is it? <laughs> no, it's so, not really I actually have this experience personally. Um, and I do want to clarify too for listeners who don't know what androgens are, those are male hormones. So, like your testosterone would go up, for example, your DHEA would go up, resulting in like facial hair, acne, things like that, right? Um but anyway, this happened to me. So my first year of college is before, I mean, I was, I was in school to be a dietitian, but I did not have the knowledge, right? So you're still 
I'm still relying on my doctor to tell me what's up. (laughs) But in college, my first year, I did the opposite of what other people did. And I lost 15 pounds. Um, This was not intentional. I was, I was, my anxiety was out the roof. I was away from Sarah for the first time. I was away from my boyfriend. It just was like a lot of changes walking everywhere. Um, I absolutely could have been, you know, subconsciously like cool with it. You know, I was like, Oh, okay, this works. Um, but I lost 15 pounds. My cycle went away. I went to the doctor and they said, you have PCOS. And I was like, I read the diagnosis of PCOS. And I said, this is, this is not what I have. (laughs) Um, but I didn't know the, I didn't know HA. And then when I learned HA later in my career, I was like, Oh, that's what I had. You know, I, uh, still on a BMI scale was a healthy weight. And so I think that's an important thing to focus too on is like, I had lost weight pretty quickly, but I was still like the doctor looked at me and was like, Oh, I, I you exercise three times a week. You're a healthy weight for your height. Uh, but I still was suffering from a lot of these symptoms that you mentioned of mm-hmm. HA, not PCOS. Uh, and it really did continue to kind of drive my interest in female health. So yeah. uh, I think it's so important to do your research and be your own health advocate. And also, as you mentioned, conventional medicine kind of puts you in this category pretty quickly. And it's so important to ask for further testing. If you're one that's like, you know, I, I don't think that's me. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's not medical incompetence either. I think it's simply that that you know, the medical community is still taught a lot about polycystic ovarian syndrome and not so much about HA, although hopefully that will change. But um, I think this must happen a lot. Uh, Well, I know it happens a lot, uh, certainly to some of the women that I work with. And yeah, it's just often it's not you don't have to do that much more investigation, but just a little bit more searching around, you know, and actually logging some of those symptoms. Um, it, you know, hopefully the answer, the answer should be there. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about now that we've kind of clarified the difference between PCOS and HA. Let's dive in and talk about ways to if, if you are having amenorrhea. So if you're missing a cycle. Um, specifically for HA, what are some ways that we can support a healthy menstrual menstrual cycle? Of course, as a dietitian, I go straight to like nourishment and food, but I would love to know kind of your top three ways to really support a healthy menstrual cycle. Yeah, great question. And I think just like with you, you know, everything is done on an individual basis. So again, we've got to look at what what's firstly what's the kind of root cause and the driving factors for that individual um usually um you know eat more move less has become this conventional prescription that people we do roll out we see this talked about a lot um but you know it may be that there are other things that you know we need to work on as a priority but generally speaking the three things are going to be looking at energy availability so just making sure that um you know there is enough nourishment in the body that that you're eating the right composition of foods which we can talk about um uh, you know to make sure that the right signals are getting to the brain to the hypothalamus at the right time because remember the hypothalamus has got receptors for things like insulin and glucose so uh, and proteins and and fats um, via hormones exchange so making sure that the diet is 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 able to communicate to your brain that and so it's not just as simple as calories in calories out it's about looking at what you're eating and when you're eating it as well Mm, Um, interesting yeah definitely timing is the key factor when we're looking at balancing out that kind of cortisol uh, low blood sugar hypoglycemic cortisol state which is where that's an that's an important thing because so many people are into fasting and like skipping breakfast and so yeah i was gonna gonna say i was gonna ask an off script question because i was trying to heal my body a lot after chemo and what it's been through, obviously I don't have a period because I had a hysterectomy, but just like getting my hormones back on track. And there's like this buzz out there that's like intermittent fasting and fasting is the best way to heal the body. And so I feel like I feel Kathy's always like eat, eat, nourish your body. Then I, <laughs> then I hear the fasting thing. So I know there's a lot of people out there and women and friends that I have that like swear by intermittent fasting and fasting. So like what's healthy for your hormones, what's good, what's not good in your opinion. So if you're, if you have a a cycling, a healthy cycle, sorry, if you have a female hormone cycle, then fasting is something that you need to look at. You need to approach with caution um, at all always because um, it's going to, any form of fasting is going to increase cortisol 
and cortisol is going to in, inter, interact with the female hormone axis at every every single point. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's got to be done really carefully and responsibly. The evidence mm-hmm. around fasted, uh, fasting has been done, generally speaking, and studies have been done on men, but they've been done very successfully. And what they have found is, you know, improved mitochondrial function, which is basically um mitochondria are like your little kind of energy powerhouses in the cells so you know that there's a lot of health promoting effects for you know later on in life and um improving our kind of our ability to produce energy um but i think in you know just bear in mind massive caveat to this is that right. these studies weren't done in hormone you know in, in, in somebody with a hormone cycle so yeah i think Generally speaking, I'm kind of with Kathy on the whole eat. <laughs> yeah. eat, eat and not eat. so much fast. And <laughs> like, like Holly mentioned, there's so much of your healthy hormones that do respond to glucose and insulin. And mm-hmm. of course there's a bell curve there with too much and too little, you have issues, but you need, you need those things. Carbs are not the enemy. And also I think that like some people are just going, going, going in the morning and just doing coffee and those can increase your cortisol as well. Right. Yes. 100%. So we're definitely careful. I mean, caffeine is a, we could do a whole episode on caffeine because there's so many. Yeah. It's so <laughs> That's my next question. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, I think the carbohydrate one is really important. And I think a lot of women are quite fearful around carbohydrate intake and carbohydrates are a really really vital energy source you know our brains respond really well to carbohydrate intake because it gives us immediate access to glucose and you know the availability of that carbohydrate matters Um, but also things like um, serotonin production so carbohydrates are what gives us this insulin spike and without that we can't get amino acids like tryptophan into the brain so we can't make things like serotonin and serotonin is a hormone that makes us happy so this is need more serotonin (laughs) yeah and also women women, we don't make so much serotonin as men we make about half the amount in the brain and we're less efficient at recycling it so this is one of the reasons why women are more prone to anxiety and depression I didn't know that we make less serotonin oh can we talk about that yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've got it, you know, and then we're, then we're, we're trying to do all these low carb diets and it's not yeah, really and then working. It's dropping. Yeah. Well, I've read that too, that a lot of the keto, uh, ketogenic, you know, low carb diets that people are also trending. Yes. Did not we're, work for me. We're also studied <laughs> that don't work for most. So yeah, but we're also just studied in the male population. Like you mentioned yeah. with intermittent fasting and it's, we're, we have completely different needs, especially in childbearing years. So I'm so glad you uh, mentioned that because the research is just not there for women. And I will tell you my personal experience. I was like, okay, I always try to try something. If my clients are like, what do you think about it? I'm like, okay, I'll try it. If I fast in the morning, you guys, I eat so much the rest of the day. <laughs> I think I'm like, I'm just like starved so and my body is like, I, I used to be one of the people that would like rush off to work. We mentioned this in like a previous episode where, you know, I would just coffee, 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 three cups of coffee, finish my, you know, and then have a late lunch. And it was just terrible. I, you know, I don't have a period now, but I never really had regular periods, you know, pre pre baby. I know we could do a whole episode on coffee, but for the listeners who love caffeine, <laughs> can you just give like a, a like a 20 second spiel on like okay if it's good, like how it affects your hormones, how it's bad, how it's, you know, intake and all that. So the major thing that caffeine does is it increase, it ramps up our cortisol output. Um, okay. So it has a, it's got a stimulating effect on this, on our stress response, our sympathetic nervous system. And I think that um, there is no actual evidence that says that more caffeine equals no ovulation, no ovulation, but we've got okay. plenty of evidence to, to show its effect on our stress response and no direct, when I say no direct evidence, I, I'm really convinced that there's this strong link back into HA. So when it comes to hormone health, um, you know, coffee, the amount that you're having is is really significant. So if you imagine that there's 400 milligrams in a massive venti, like Starbucks venti, um, that is like, that's too much already. Like that's too much for, our, I think, our hormones. So much. Yeah. Venti. It is pretty. Yeah. 
it's a lot and you know really for um for our hormones you know a little bit of caffeine okay but i think we want to have it with some fat so that's always i always say to have some fat in it to slow down the you know slow down the, absor- the absorption of the caffeine and buffer Abby's smiling she loves that i love it, yeah, it yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> even if you're adding like um full fat milk or just some normal milk or some yeah some people like coconut oil and butter and things like that, but having a little bit of fat in there is really helpful. Um, okay. try, trying not to have it after midday because um, then we have a, you know, there's a, there's a, I think it's a 12, I think it's a 12 hour, hour half-life of caffeine. I'm not entirely sure if that's right. Eight to 12 hour half-life. So okay. it's still going to be in your system at night and that's going to disrupt your sleep. And we don't even want to go into the issue of sleep. Right. <laughs> gosh. Yeah, and also probably having it away from meals um, directly just because there's an anti-nutrient effect. So caffeine has this kind of anti-nutrient effect where it binds to beneficial things like minerals and and can inhibit absorption. So I find this actually very hard personally. I always want a coffee after a meal. Yes, me too. Um, So it's kind of just maybe just delaying it a little bit, you know, just giving yourself 20 minutes Thirty minutes and then having a coffee if you can but again that's in an ideal world but yeah coffee really does have an impact on our us our hormones so it's it's got to be i think have you know haven't taken sort of responsibly as well but i say this with i, I mean i love coffee so right it's one of those it's easier said than done as like well, advice for sure <laughs> it's a it's a vice it's a vice for sure but you gave good recommendations and some people listening are like dang i have to give up my 3 3 p.m cup of coffee but it's time <laughs> it's time people. um you it's miss time. you've miss, mentioned stress a, a yeah. few times over the episode can we talk about stress and just like how to heal hormone stress yeah i think this is probably the hardest thing to do i mean we can all you know adjusting your food intake and uh, even your exercise well i may say this lightly that can be difficult too but managing our stress is such a big part of not just that a woman with ha of all of our lives and you know it affects us all differently it you know it's a key element in the in the polycystic ovarian syndrome women woman as well and you know what works for someone one woman won't work for someone else so because we are kind of bombarded with continual demands on ourselves every single day, you know, we wake up to an alarm clock and we've got emails coming in and deadlines and we miss a train. And then, you know, our body doesn't recognize the difference. And we have the same hormonal physiological response to each of these little stresses that that these little pings that go off in our lives. So when it comes to managing stress, building in activities into your day to kind of like small um consistent small consistent activities to help buffer some of the stress you know it's not enough to just say okay well I'm just going to go hard and then have an hour or two on the weekend to chill like I think we need to bring in little practices like even if it's things like breathing techniques or time in nature or whatever meditation mindfulness I'm not a massive fan of it because I could never do it so me asking my clients (laughs) to do it (laughs) it just doesn't work (laughs) that's a great example of what works for somebody else won't work for somebody for, yes. for everybody so it really so but things like that like trauma release therapy or like massage or something more physical might work for you where you're actually giving yourself this um almost allowing your release body, yeah it's like naturally release it's more of a kind of physical physical release than a sort of psychological one especially if anxiety is a uh, you know mm-hmm. is a factor for you um and even things like you know i'm sure you'll use food with clients who are anxious so actually you know the way again we come back to things like balancing our blood sugar and making sure we've got enough omega-3 and all sorts of certain types of nutrients in the diet that actually support our our nervous system and our adrenal health as well so there's so many angles we can come at with this. Uh, I mean, interestingly, having a good routine, that's really helpful for managing your stress, you know, uncertainty and unpredictability that we've all experienced so much over the last year. These things are actually quite stressful for, for the body. So even, you know, it's one of the reasons why I don't like telling women to sort of just suddenly change their whole life and routine. We have got to do these things slowly and and building you know a nice routine that you enjoy into your life is is helpful for people um so yeah there's yeah, so there's a lot there i mean there's a big web of, of things we could talk about i like that you said too 
because I think a lot of people relate to this. You said you can't just go, 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 go for days at a time and then rest on the weekend. And I think that's a really smart, tangible suggestion is to create it every single day in small, yeah. in small moments. Sarah and I were just talking about turning my phone off. I was like, I, I want to be present for my kids every day from four to eight. My phone's going to go off, you know, and it, it, like even the idea of it made me like, oh, I don't, you know, just communicating that and having that boundary is important. And I think a lot of us don't do that, especially working from home. Like you said, you run a small business, you're answering emails. We know people want a response. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that people hopefully are becoming better at setting boundaries because we're talking about it. Uh, But it's incredible, the connection between our cycle and our stress. So we've mentioned exercise. Mm. a handful of times. Um, but tangibly, you know, exercise over exercising is a form of stress, but I never want to discourage people from exercising. Cause like you said, it also can be a form of stress management. Like Sarah and I have talked about this where <laughs> like she, like her stress management is like art and calm and music. And I would prefer to like go to a cycling class and sweat from head to toe and just like, <laughs> I love that too. Teeth. Let's don't discredit. I do yeah. exercise. <laughs> I I'm do exercise, but breathing techniques, you mentioned that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's but, but let's talk about exercise. It's Kathy's right. A lot of people could be like, oh, exercise causes stress. Right. I don't have to exercise. It's a hard balance. So is there a tangible recommendation you can give people who are maybe skipping their cycle or trying, you know, trying to yeah. uh, recover their healthy menstrual cycle and our exercisers just love it. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is really interesting. I actually never say to somebody, don't exercise at all. And that goes against what other, I mean, certainly there are other professionals that would disagree with me. So um, I actually do think keeping something in is helpful. Um, and it's interesting to know that the, the that kind of mental health, like stress management prescription dose of exercise is about 150 minutes a week. So that's the that's the research that we've got on stress management. And you don't need to do any more than that. That's actually around 30 minutes a day. So it's not it's not a lot, but it might be that, you know, you commit to that and you you use it really in a in a you enhance that time by spending that time outside in whatever you're doing, whether or not that's a walk or it could be that if you know, it, it could be something a little bit more active. And again, it's got to be taken on a case by case sort of thing. I don't really want to say everyone can run because I don't think that's that's helpful. I don't think I think a lot of women should probably not run. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and just opening your eyes to other ways of moving your body, but giving yourself, you know, some time to move your body is helpful for most people, uh, unless, you know, relative energy deficiency is a big thing for you. And one of the things I really found helpful was yoga. And I actually trained as a yoga teacher whilst I was recovering. So I was very much became a yogi and I never was one. (laughs) Um, I love yoga. So, yeah. And it's not just about the movement. It's just about that mindset it cultivates around not having to push your body. So whatever you're doing, you're, you're keeping yourself um, certainly within a a certain um, effort bracket, you know, you kind of, Really, if you're recovering from HA, you don't really want to go over 50%, 60% of your perceived effort. So whatever you do, try and, you know, you should still be able to hold a, hold a conversation. Um, and that's, that can be helpful because then you know that you're not pushing your body too far. You're not pushing your heart rate, pushing up their cortisol response. Um, things no. like that. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. When I was recovering and just trying to get my body stronger after all it had been through, I remember feeling frustrated that I couldn't just like go do like this, like, you know, kickboxing class or something. So I had to kind of be patient with my body and balancing my hormones and getting my health back. And even just like what you said, just a walk, breathing techniques, starting with yoga. I'm a huge fan of Pilates and it's just like, it's easy on the body, but it still is like a very like mind body exercise, which I'm a huge fan of. And I think that what you just said was a really great advice kind of just, um, I think this is interesting too. People may want to know Sarah had a hysterectomy, but still has her ovaries. So she still has a hormonal cycle, which is really interesting because she can like feel those waves and Mm -hmm. it's still important to balance hormones. I think a lot of people think, oh, you have a hysterectomy. You've been straight to menopause. That's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. And I, it was a while because it's like, you know, as women, when we have our period, it's kind of like, oh, 
that's my body's way of saying it's this time of the month. Mm -hmm. I don't really get that physical evidence anymore. So it kind of, I had to train myself into understanding certain, like what my body was feeling throughout the month. I actually still get um, cramps, like kind of crampy feelings in my ovaries. Um, but yeah, it was kind of wild because I still, even though I wasn't physically getting a period, I had to work really hard on kind of regaining my hormone cycle and making that healthy and making sure I stayed healthy. Obviously with the nutrition stuff, Kathy helped a lot. But what you said about exercise too, I just, um, I found it really beneficial for me to find those like mind body exercise techniques, including yoga. I'm a huge fan. So, well, you are a wealth of knowledge. I have learned from you. I I've learned about estrogen. I've learned about serotonin. I've learned so much. I love talking to people with specialties. Um, we have just loved, loved this conversation. We could talk for probably three more hours. Clearly we're advocates. (laughs) Clearly we're advocates of women's health. This is kind of Kathy's like wheelhouse. I love hearing you guys chat. I learned so much from you specifically before. I know we have to wrap up, but will you tell everybody kind of where to find you, your Instagram handle, your website, just kind of where to learn more about you and what you do. Thank you. Well, um, I, my Instagram handle is Holly Dunn nutrition. And my website is hollydown.co.uk. And most of the information is probably, well, on both. Um, If you're kind of more into professional, in the professional world, I'm also on LinkedIn. But I have a a few things on my website. So you can feel free to take a, I have a hormone and energy quiz you can take, which actually goes through a lot of what we spoke about today. So, you know, help you kind of identify what's the area that you're, you know, where you're depleted in your life. And, you know, there's lots of sort of helpful information on there. And you can always book a call with me if you want to have a chat. So I do that. I I tend to work with women one to one. Um, But I'm actually I've been for a while considering writing a book or doing a program. And I just can't quite decide. I'm working towards both. We'll see. Oh. What yeah. <laughs> no, we're talking about not making stress. Oh, no. One at a time, Holly. One at a time. Baby steps. Exactly. <laughs> we're encouraging you to do it. We're encouraging you to do yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you very um, much. Well, yeah. we're going to put your, your information and how to connect with you in our show notes so that um, our audience can reach out to you. We will take the quiz. That's interesting. Love that. Um, but thank you so much for joining thank you us. Thank so much for having me. It's been so lovely to meet you guys. And I think it's, you're just amazing what you're doing. Oh. It's lovely to meet you too. Yeah, that was a good question. No, we're we come, we're going to come to London because because I freaking love London. Yeah, we're going to come see you. <laughs> I really, really want to meet you, so you've got to come over. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do too. Well, thank you, Holly. You're incredible. Um, you. you stay healthy and safe, and we'll talk very soon. Thank you, guys. You take care. Bye. Bye. We also have an editor. She's the bomb. So if oh, there's perfect. an answer that you're like, scratch that. scratch that. Let me start over. I don't mm-hmm. like the way I said that. Can I check your mic? Can I see your little thing yeah. right here? Okay. We're, we're recording, by the way. I just wanted okay. to make sure that yours is on. Okay. Cool. All right. So sweet. Yeah, but our. Um, I'm going to pull yours down just a little bit. That way you don't hear you breathe. Okay. 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 <laughs> sometimes I do this because it's just like. heavy breathing in the yeah. background the whole time. <laughs> sometimes I like. I can't hear oh, like actually, completely. Yeah, you can't hear yeah. yourself oh, cool, talk. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we were talking about Hallie's Starbucks order mm-hmm. and that she follows the macro barista, which I do too. And I love it. He, we should probably like tag him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I don't so, know this, you, know you guys. This macro barista guy lives in Abilene. No, he doesn't. He's super famous. He lives in a small town in Texas. We're, we're from Abilene, Texas. It's literally oh, itty bitty. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. And he like tells people how to order kind of healthier Starbucks drinks. Well, I'm going to take a picture of Holly's um, Starbucks <laughs> venti cold brew milk with almond milk, three pumps of vanilla, one pump of caramel, caramel drizzle. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's the most obnoxious order. I'm not going to remember not that. that. I'm going to like, pull up the picture of your label and be like, okay, this is what I, Holly I had to do that over and over again until I got it memorized. Yeah. It's so good. It's a caramel macchiato knockoff. Yeah. Way better for you. And you can get a venti <laughs> and like not feel bad about yep. it. Actually, I would get a grande because that's way too much coffee for me, but yeah. I... 
don't know how to order it to the ratio. Oh, that's right. Right. you got to do the venti. Plus, like, today's <laughs> your moving day, so you need lots yeah, of caffeine. I absolutely will need all this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fun. Okay, well, welcome, guys, to Talk To Me Sister podcast. We have Hallie Kearns with us today. Hallie! We are, one, so excited because we're all in person together in our podcast studio. We're huge fans of you, Hallie. Congratulations, number one, just on your success this year. And just your recent success. We're going to get into kind of what you have going on lately and coming up around the corner in a little bit. But um, Kathy and I sadly have literally no musical bone in our body. So we're like, (laughs) you're in a great city for it. (laughs) We're in a great city. Um, I will say our birth dad was a songwriter and a musician, but we never got any of that streak. We never got it. And our stepdad, who raised us and really like nurtured us, is also like in the music business mm. but we Christian did not music. pick up a thing yeah but so we admire we've you. been around the music yeah. yeah our family's very musical but we've i'm wondering if maybe it'll be passed on to your kids or something i hope i hope charlotte is a star maybe you could be her mentor <laughs> i would love that thing more than that honestly not like she's a little spunky thing anyway she's, she's so pretty spunky. funny can i tell you really quick a story about charlotte because i've been listening that, yeah. to your ep like on repeat in my car and i don't listen to kids' tunes anymore at, at some point. I mean, sometimes I do, but yeah. sometimes yeah, I was like, sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. she's four. Anymore. She got four full years. <laughs> she got four full years. It's mom's time. We're listening to mom's music. Anyway, so your song, I Drink Whiskey, it's her favorite song. <laughs> like, enough of this children's stuff. We're getting straight into no. the alcohol, Charlotte. Well, so your EP was kind of like going through all your songs, and then that song came on, and it says, I Drink Beer. And she, my husband loves like a five o'clock beer after work. And she, she's like, dad drinks beer. So she says, dad, will you play daddy's song? Oh my and I was like, I can't wait to tell Hallie if she knew Stop. that she was, um, that the toddler crowd was, you know, a big oh, fan no, of hers. Yeah. <laughs> so great. And she's in the back. Oh, I'll probably, my. I'll send you a video over text, but like she gets so into it. So maybe she'll be a country star. Oh, that's I'm so like cute. really hoping so. Um, Anyway, we're huge fans. I'm a huge fan of you all. So is Charlotte. You're so fun. And I would like the listeners to know also that Hallie's here with us in person. Yes. Yes. Which we have not done. We've had we've had lots of Zoom calls, lots of lots of Zoom calls, lots of just online recordings without Mm -hmm. even seeing people. And this is so much fun. And we we really are excited to have someone from Nashville, from our hometown, to talk about some Nashville stuff. Yeah. Because we we always say we're from Nashville, but people are like you're missing this whole John Ren community. So we're Well, Nashville is close to our hearts because we grew up here. We love music. We love country music. And we, Kathy and I really wanted to do a, um, episode on like dreaming big and following Mm -hmm. your dreams. So we'll touch on that in a second, but we were like, Oh, you're like the perfect person. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I've been missing the in-person, interviews and meetings and just get togethers just even coffee meetings and that sort of thing so it's so good to be back and I also talk with my hands a lot as you can tell so it just doesn't convey the same way over zoom like getting to to do in person I know it's so much harder on zoom um well speaking of in-person stuff and we are going to jump into like your career and what you're doing later Mm -hmm. but are you starting to do things in person in terms of like shows or yes slowly it's been it's been really cool watching things slowly start open back up again but um I've played probably six shows now back in person and it started off you know they were at capacity or like had half capacity or whatever oh, right and, um the last show I played actually was at full capacity and sold out so that was really cool like oh, it just has awesome that full crowd no one was wearing masks it was just such a good feeling congratulations to, to be back at it like that wow and what a time to come back into it too I feel like people are probably so even more excited mm-hmm. to be at live events and seeing live music yep. than ever before